Uh, the prophet Jeremiah, who lived to see Jerusalem destroyed in 586 B.C., he wrote the whole book of, of Lamentations about that event. And um, he was known as the weeping prophet. And we think about uh, A.D. 90, too, when the Romans came and they completely destroyed Jerusalem. They tore down uh, the temple. And even uh, the other Sunday, we talked about the Western Wall, the weeping wall, where uh, thousands and thousands of the descendants of Abraham, they go there on a daily basis and they pray and weep at that wall for what they had lost and and pray that God would uh, allow them to be blessed again. And we said that's one of the saddest tragedies that a person can experience is to not realize the greatness of the blessings that they have until they're already uh, gone. Uh, this man that did the training for us for suicide prevention, he was telling about why that he developed the foundation. He, he felt that you know he had the perfect all-American family, uh, they had a great home, a great job. He had three beautiful children. Uh, they were very successful. And his second son, uh, one day while the man was at work, he got a call from one of his son's friends, says, do you know where your son is? He was supposed to meet us at the lake. And the dad was like, no, uh, I don't. Let me, let me page him. That was back when pagers were around, Brother Kevin, Sister Vicki, y'all remember Regina, remember pagers. And uh, he paged him, and no answer. He, he took off work and didn't think anything was wrong, except maybe, you know, he'd overslept or, you know, he just wasn't communicating. And he um, drove to where his work was. They said, no, we haven't seen him. He drove home, saw his uh, car in the parking lot, and he remembered, oh, yeah, I told him he had to mow the yard today, and, and the yard wasn't mowed. He said, I bet he's just, you know, being lazy uh, and just waiting to cut the yard right before I get home. And he went in the house, and, and he heard music playing upstairs, and he uh, went in the bedroom and, of course, found his son had taken his his own life. And... He said, I thought, you know, I was close to my son. I thought, you know, that I enjoyed, I had enjoyed the moments and, and life with him. He said, but when he was gone, I realized how much that I didn't know him, how much that I didn't make the most uh, of my time uh, with him. And uh, this psalm is about things like that. that and you can all think about things like that. Uh, in your life, it might be health, it might be a relationship, it might be uh, a blessing, maybe that you that you once had. I remember um, when they came back from exile from Babylon. You remember, brother Kevin? They built they built the new temple, uh, and all the people of that generation were rejoicing that the temple had been finished, and they they were going to have it to worship him but what were the older people doing brother kevin they were weeping why right it wasn't near the the grandeur or or the beauty or, or had the glory of that first temple that solomon 
uh, was was able uh, to build. And so this is about that. And part of our lesson, part of what we want to learn from that is to not make that mistake in our life, but to really enjoy, really appreciate, really make the most uh, out of our uh, families, out of our church, out of our the freedoms uh, that we have in our country. And we, we don't want to have to lament at the end of our lives that all that that we enjoyed now is, is, is gone and will be no more and that we didn't realize how great that it was. So let's read this together and then we're mainly going to look at our memory verse, which is verse 9. O God, the heathen are come into thine inheritance. Thy holy temple have they defiled. They have laid Jerusalem on heaps. The dead bodies of thy servants have they given to be meat unto the fowls of the heaven, the flesh of thy saints unto the beast of the earth. Their blood have they shed like water round about Jerusalem, and there was none to bury them. That's a, a mournful scene, isn't it? Uh, to think to think about, um, you know, Jeremiah, he was there when he saw the king of Judah. They brought all of his sons before him and they slew all of his sons and then they put out the eyes of the king of Judah. And these are, are the scenes that that come to mind, um, the, these were violent days. We, praise God, most of us in here have never seen times or days like this, and God forbid that, that we ever would. But there have been days like this in our nation, the Civil War, where brother was against brother. Any of you that have ever been to Shiloh, to the battlefield, ground there in what they called the bloody pond that there were so many wounded soldiers around this little pond and their blood went into the water and it just turned the whole pond uh, red you can imagine a, a scene like this the place that you love the place of God's glory the place where not only you had worshiped but so many generations back had worshiped there too and you see they just took it for granted. They believed it was always going to be there because it always had. He says, we are become a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and a derision to them that are round about us. How long, Lord, will thou be angry forever? Shall thy jealousy burn like fire? Pour out thy wrath upon the heathen they have not known thee. And upon the kingdom they have not called upon thy name. For they have devoured Jacob and laid waste his dwelling place. Oh, remember not against us former iniquities. Let thy tender mercies speedily prevent us, for we are brought very low together. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of thy name, and deliver us and purge away our sins for thy namesake. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is their God? Let him be known among the heathen in our sight, 
by the revenging of the blood of thy servants which is shed. Let the sighing of the prisoner come before thee. According to the greatness of thy power, preserve those who, that are appointed to die, and render unto our neighbors sevenfold into their bosom their reproach, wherewith they have reproached thee, O Lord. So we, thy people, and sheep of thy pasture, will give thee thanks forever. We will show forth thy praise to all generations. The title of the message tonight is, For His Namesake. For His Namesake. What you have in, in this psalm is a reckoning. It's a, it's a reckoning, beloved. God's people had had prophet after prophet and message after message delivered unto them. You've got to put God first. You, you, can't, you can't be the people of God and also bow down to idols. You can't um, just worship God you know, with, with your lips or with your flesh. It, it has to come uh, from the heart. And for years and years, they had heard that. And they were like, yeah, yeah, uh, we know that's right, but we're kind of just going to do our thing, and God's just going to have to take it and accept it. And finally, God said, I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to accept it anymore. And you're going you're gonna, to uh, be judged more fiercely even than these other nations that didn't know me because you knew better, because you had my commandments, you had uh, my covenant, you had all my gifts and blessings, and, and you didn't appreciate them, and you didn't appreciate God, and you forgot about the glory that is due to God, and that my, my glory I won't give uh, to another, and that all that God does he does it, and He has intertwined it. He has done it for His glory and for our good. And, and that's, that's amazing. And so it's, it's, it's not only a reckoning here, but it's an acknowledging by the psalmist that, God, you have allowed this to happen to us, and we deserved it because of how we treated you, of how we treated uh, your kingdom and your word and your men. But now we're begging you, Lord, have mercy on us. Uh, restore us, take our, take our reproach away, cleanse us and, and allow us to be your people and, and know your favor again and, and take away uh, this reproach. And also he, he's praying for vengeance on those that have so evilly entreated uh, God's own people. And, and uh, the psalmist, I think, hits on the nail on the head twice about the reason that we should want this revival, the reason that we should want reproach taken away, the reason that, that we should want uh, to see uh, things be the way that they should be. It's not for our glory, but for His glory. Listen to that again. He asks for help from the God of our salvation. But why? Why does He want help? He says, for the glory of thy name. And deliver us and purge our way our sins, which is the main problem. And he says it, for thy name's sake. For thy name's sake. Well, we're going to go through the scriptures and see how many things uh, tie together 
because of his namesake. The first thing that is for his namesake is the pardon of our sin. Let's go to Psalm 25, write this reference down. Psalm 25, verse 11. Here we find uh, David saying this, Psalm 25, verse 11, and notice the language and how he begins it. For thy namesake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. David didn't say, because I'm a man after your own heart, forgive my sin. He didn't say, because I killed Goliath, pardon my sin. He didn't say, because my great-grandmother was Ruth, pardon my sin. He didn't say, because I'm the king, pardon my sin. What was the only hope that God might pardon his sin? It was for God's own namesake. That it would be for God's glory that his sin would be pardoned. Do y'all know why God has pardoned your sin tonight? Because it glorified him to do so. It was for the glory of his name that he has forgiven and pardoned our sin and ever will. It's not because we prayed for it. It's not because we cried for it. It's not our prayers. It's not our tears. Should we pray for the forgiveness of sin? Should we weep and shed tears for our sin? Yes, but is that why they're pardoned? No. They're pardoned only because of His namesake. It's because it brings Him glory and it glorifies Him to do it. And also it's for our good that He will forgive our sins. Uh, You don't have to turn to this one, but just to back it up with a New Testament scripture here, it's the same uh, language here, 1 John Chapter 2 and verse 12. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for His namesake. God will forgive sins, your sins, my sins, a people's sins, only if it is for the glory of His name and for His name's sake. Not because of our prayers or tears, but for his glory. Also tied to uh, his namesake is us being led in paths of righteousness. Do you remember that in Psalm 23? That psalm that we love so much, right? Psalm 23 in verse 3, it says, He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness What? For His namesake. For His namesake. Yes, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lead not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And what? He will direct your paths. The steps of a good man are what? They're ordered of the Lord. Those of us that have found ourselves in right paths, in paths of righteousness, We find ourselves there because it was for the glory of His name to put us there. And it is the only way that we will be kept there is for His namesake. For His namesake. Sheep are not very smart or intelligent creatures. Did y'all know that? 
we like sheep, the, the scripture says, will always go astray. But hallelujah that we have a shepherd that loves the sheep. And he'll even leave the 90 and 9 and go after the one to bring them back into the paths of righteousness. And we don't stay or are led in, in righteous paths because uh, just of our, our spiritual upbringing or, or because, uh, well, I try to be at church uh, as much as I can. Those things don't hurt uh, at all. But we know that many people have had good spiritual upbringings. We know many people that went to church uh, most of their youth and adolescent lives, they're not walking in paths of righteousness because they're worried more about their own glory than the glory of God. But our psalmist here in this psalm of lamentation, he realizes the only way that these things can be restored, the only way that these things can be repaired is, Lord, if you do it for your glory, if you do it for your namesake. So he was asking for these things for the glory of God, not for his own glory. We'll never glorify God in ourselves at the same time, will we? Do you know that his namesake, that our being born again, is even tied to his namesake? Go with me to Psalm 143. Psalm 143, we find this phrase again in regards to our being quickened, in regards to our being brought from death to life. The only reason that that happens in our lives is because it glorified God to do that. God, why does God only do things for His glory? Do y'all know why? We, we haven't discussed that in a while. You know, uh, we're not to be vainglorious. We're not to do things for our glory. But God always does everything for His glory. There's nothing that God has decreed or ordained or does that is not for His glory. For Him to do any less would be sin. He would cease to be God if He did not. For there is nothing greater than for God to glorify Himself in all that He does. If He was to give His glory to another, He would cease to be God. He must glorify Himself. Psalm 143, verse 11, Quicken me! Quicken me, that means to be made alive. Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake, for thy righteous sake, bring my soul out of trouble. Oh, we got to learn how to pray like this, don't we? It's not just, Lord, help me to have a good day. Lord, uh, give me uh, all, all my blessings and, and uh, keep everybody safe, right? There's nothing wrong with asking for those things, but... I wonder if we really think that we're getting at the heart of God, at the heart of the will of God. Or do our hearts beat, Lord, I want to see you glorified today in my life, in my decisions, in, in my work, in my marriage, in my preaching. Not that they'll say, oh, Brother Nathan, you brought such a good message. But oh, that was so glorifying to God. God was surely glorified. He blessed that message for His namesake. Oh man, even being born again. We remember in, in uh, the Gospel of John chapter 1, when He's talking about that, He said that, that men were born again. 
They were given eternal life, not, not by blood, nor by the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but what was it of? It was of God. He said, quicken me, O Lord, for thy namesake. Gigi and Drew, you're going to get married soon. And Lord, I pray, bless you with as many children as your heart's desire. I ask you, Brother Kevin, you had a lot of children. Could you give any of them eternal life? Did you want to? Would you want to give them eternal life? Me and Regina couldn't give our children eternal life. Lydia, what about you? You've been able to find a way. Who did, you, who did we have to go to? Who, did, who could we pray to? Who is the only one that can quicken and give eternal life? It's only the Lord. And he'll only do it if it's for his glory and for his namesake. And so when you pray and you're beginning your family, and I would even start praying right now, I would pray, Lord, for your namesake, if it would be for your glory. The children that you give to us, May they also be your children for eternal life is infinitely more important than natural life. God can quicken and hallelujah he does because it pleases him to do so for his name's sake. Mm. What about also this is beautiful Part of one of the things that we love, we love those sayings, you know, lo, he'll be with us always, even until the end of the world. Though your father and mother forsake you, yet the Lord says, I'll never forsake you. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. What a great promise. Did you know that that is also tied to his namesake? He does that for his namesake. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 12. And highlight this one in your Bible as well. I tell you tonight, the Jesus that we love and serve, He is the prodigal's father. He is the good Samaritan. He is the comforter. He is the one that never forsakes. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 22. For the Lord will not forsake His people for His great namesake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you His people. I love this, this too. A lot of people get the motive for evangelism incorrect. Um, they think that the motive for evangelism is to try to go out and make sheep or, or to go out and, and get people uh, saved. The motive of evangelism, biblically, is the glory of God. The motive and the purpose of evangelism is for His name's sake. It's not for your denomination. It's not for adventure. But it is for the glory of God. Go with me to the New Testament, all the way to the third epistle of John for a little phrase here that is really eye-opening and precious as the Apostle John is, is talking about the work of evangelism in that 
first century. It's, it's beautiful. Here in the third epistle of John, beginning in verse 5, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Highlight this in your Bible when you think about witnessing, when you think about being used by God in evangelism or mission. Here is the heart of it. Here is the motive of it. And you see it was carried out in that first century because that for his namesake they went forth, right? Taking nothing of the Gentiles. Beloved, if if we trying to serve God just because we think that we're going to get something back, we've we've missed the mark. We want to serve Him for His glory. We want to worship Him like we've tried to do tonight for His glory. Is almost all of it that I've mentioned tonight, pardon of sin, righteous paths, being born again, being never forsaken, uh, being used and also experiencing the blessing of evangelism, is that also all for our good as well? Yes. But ultimately, it's for His glory. It's for His glory and for His namesake. And so, as we pray for our country, as we pray for our churches, we pray for our families and our lives, may we learn to pray this way too. Lord, may it be for the glory of thy name. Lord, let it be so for your namesake. For even at the end of that great Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, Jesus would say when he had asked for everything else, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and amen when we close in prayer even tonight at the end of the prayer we'll say in jesus name that's the same thing that that means for his namesake amen amen and amen thank you